The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a momentwithmorris.com and blackblueprints.com. That's blackblueprints with a Z.com. All right, my brother, we back up in the building. Episode number 15 of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. We're here, my brother Barry Axius. We get together and talk about stuff going on out here in this life that we feel that not only we, as in me and him, but everybody should be saying something about. Most definitely say something. We ain't been with each other for a while, brother. Back in the building. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's get it in. So a lot has happened since the last time we we, Man, uh, we too much has happened. Came before the congregation. Too much. It too was. much has been happening, but we've been busy on the grind like we're supposed to. But um, we will not leave you waiting this long ever again. Not gonna leave you hanging like an old jacket in the closet. Yeah, we uh, you know, actually we um, in the moment of us uh, taking a hiatus, we kind of got some plans and some big things going down where we may be in the near future. In a few broadcasting live, or at least have a visual. Approach. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah. Get to see my pretty face. You know, we're working on some things. We're working on some things. Try to bring you the best quality we possibly can for what we put together because we care. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely we, care. We, right? we care. We, we care. Try to put a visual to this audio. I want to show everybody what's really going on behind the scenes of this hardworking black man. You know. Yeah, we got good content. We want to package it a little bit better. But we'll get into that. Lots gone on. We're out here in uh, Northern California. Yes. And uh, on the uh, sports side of the game, we just lost the Raiders on the way to Vegas. Did we ever have the Raiders? Well, I mean, well, first off, you know, Oakland fans feel like they lost them. I'm not in Oakland, nor am I a Raider fan. But uh, a lot of them out there feeling a little salty, feeling a little jilted. Yeah. You know what? Once upon a time. I was a sports fanatic, and I had I, I, what I bled, breathed. I ate sports. A Niners fan, North Carolina fan, of course. You know, I'm still a LeBron guy. You know, big Chicago Bulls fan back in the day. Yankees fan, of course, being from the hometown in the Mets. But like, since I had the epiphany, one particular day, I really looked at sports. I don't know when it was. I don't. I think more or less it was probably in 2009 when uh, LeBron James went over to uh, Miami, right? Okay. And everything like that I saw from sports, even though I always really knew what it was as far as a business, but just that loyalty, you know what I'm saying? That extent of how much it pissed people off. For a black man to make a decision for himself, yeah. for the best benefit of himself and his family and his own legacy, him taking control, not um, succumbing to the powers that be, how much flack he got. And that's really, to be honest with you, where I kind of really uh, took a step back from sports, I, even though I was cheering LeBron James, hoping he won every um, four titles when the four championships uh, he went to with Miami. Of course, he only won two. But I just I, I hated I hated that moment because people was burning jerseys. You know, the owner wrote some crazy stuff. So it was kind of like, dude, you went back. But I get it, you know, on a business sense. But I mean, now the dude is like strictly you see his business savvy on how he's branding himself. So I commend him. But overall, if you are like a sports fanatic and you still think of sports as something you need to be loyal to, you're a fool. You're an idiot. Yeah, well, I think that if. 
there's there's something that sports is always done specifically in this country it does the world over not not football or baseball but what soccer does soccer unites nations like if you go globally it's the biggest sport played on the planet and here in America it it does a lot where it does bring people together and there's a certain passion and camaraderie that comes to to rooting for the same sports team it does a lot to people you know football on Sunday helps some folks get through uh, and so when forgetting that it's a business is where you run into problems oh so you have like LeBron he is he's wrote the new manifesto on free agency for the NBA no player has ever done or taken his his own career and bet on himself because there's a lot of times where most players would because you, you get the money in the NBA most players would have taken the the seven year 110 million you know deal when it's on the table he said no nah, give me four and 60 so I could re-up after three <laughs> and so where you would have given me a hundred million over seven I'm gonna make 130 140 on the re-ups and I'm just betting on myself that I'm not gonna get hurt and that I can perform at a high level he took his career by but he got behind the wheel and, and he spearheaded his own career and he's done crazy things for free agency where Team loyalty to the fans, like if you really get behind your team, like where these you know Raider fans are salty uh, to the city. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not salty about the franchise. They're salty about the city, about not fighting to keep the Raiders in Oakland. Uh, they're not upset with the team owner. Yeah. Uh, they recognize it's the business, and they recognize that the city should have. But I, I think that we have a crazy amount of loyalty when it comes to being a fan. And we're expected to be loyal to a franchise if you're a player. Like, if you're signed to that team, you're supposed to be, you know, LeBron was seen as disloyal. The fact that he he left Cleveland and went to Miami. But these are the same teams that can wave you because it's Tuesday. Exactly. But at the same time, it's like disloyal to who? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know like, I mean? that's just why I, I, I hate when you we have conversations and I talk to some sports fanatics and they go, well, Kobe did this. And that's like, I don't like. At the end of the day, the only person you need to be loyal to is yourself and your family. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you wake up with that because at the end of the day, when you really look at the, the whole stream of white supremacy and the system that it is, I mean, dudes are cattle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're good stock. And as soon as they are not, um, you know, able to perform at a high level, they get rid of them. And you can bring somebody younger. And if you look at sports nowadays, um, if you're not producing um, like a Tom Brady, yeah. right, you know, you will be seeing the the front door, and and I I believe that, and so many times that athletes still got the juice, but they get blackballed or they get shipped to um, overseas. You see that a lot happening with basketball, and I think that's why Ice Cube's coming, and he's been able to market this three on three thing because he's picking out a lot of players that I think still had life in the NBA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, part of part of Cube's thing, and I, and I applaud his vision. Uh, Cube Vision, no pun intended, his company. But he he's seen that there's yeah there's a lot of guys who well, part of it is is that they have something in the tank, but some of them not 82 games, like the back to backs, the, the 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 traveling and stuff. Some of these dudes are 35, 36, 37, 38 year old knees and ankles. They can't handle going from Minnesota one night, then then playing Detroit the next night. Then one night off and play in New Jersey. We're playing Brooklyn now. Like some of these older guys, they just can't do 82 games. Yeah. 
some of these other dudes is politics. Some of these other dudes that weren't playing anymore, they had coach issues uh, or they had organization. You know, the guy that drafted them, the guy that was coaching them and the trainers that they have are no longer on the team. And the new guys in there don't particularly care for them and they have a new vision on how they want things to go. Uh, But all the stuff that we, we find that we're supposed to be loyal to these systems Loyal to the like and say you're not a player. Say you say you don't play for the NBA. You don't play for the NFL. You supposed to be loyal to IBM. You supposed to be loyal to Home Depot. Man, you supposed to be loyal to AT&T. I found out quick in the working world once I was uh, a Mr. Nine to Five guy um, being loyal to any kind of working system that I didn't control. Never worked. Yeah, it's never they they do as they want when they want. Um, And if you just think about just the loyalty aspect of when it comes down to, I talked to my, 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 my good friend uh, the other day, and we were talking about raises. He said, dude, in five years, I've gotten 60 cents. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, it, it's th- this idea. That's that, what, but but five years, you've been loyal, and here's your loyalty, well, 60 cents. Well, here's the thing, too. Let, let's just say, let's remove the, the your raise side or your vacation time, or, or let's, let's just set that aside. Depending upon what you do, Every day, there you know, technology now, it, it's quadrupling like every 18 months. Yeah. It, 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 you know, you could buy a brand new computer January of 2017. It's now behind June of 2017, and it's obsolete December of 2017. Crazy, right? Like, you, you got an 8-track tape and, and, and a 45, you know, vinyl, like, by, by, by Christmas. Like that's how quick technology moves in automation. So you may be 100 percent loyal. You've never called in sick. You've never been late. You don't even take your tens or your little 15. Like you stay on the job and you work your whole shift. But because of technology or automation, you get downsized at the end of the year and you were loyal to the company. But the company that wasn't loyal to you. And, and I think stuff that we need to say something about, especially what happens in the community is, is that what, what is it that we loyal to that proves repeatedly that that them hoes ain't loyal, man. Literally, you know. <laughs> literally, I mean, I, I just when you think back, and I understand the Raiders culture fanatics, I, I definitely. And um, when they came uh, to L.A., went to L.A., and came back to Oakland, and the the joy people had, yeah. especially when they left L.A. and you know hindsight, you know, people like, well, wow, there were football teams in L.A. Yeah, there were. And they weren't successful. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, it's like it was okay in the beginning, but like you could barely give your tickets away. But now, because of how the market and the branding of um, you know the NFL is, think about the breakup. They went to basically the hot, attractive, sleazy girl, Vegas. Yeah. Right. It's not like they left and went. They went to uncharted territories in Vegas. So that, again, shows you that when you think about loyalty, you better go trace the steps to the money. And and, 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 and like people are loyal to the money. The NFL is not loyal to the people in Oakland, like regardless of um, what the people in high uh, office in Oakland didn't do or did do. Oakland, as it goes through its gentrification uh, season, there's no real place for the Raiders. You know what I'm saying? There really is no real place for the Raiders. So, at the same time, as Oakland is changing, 
there's really no need because they're about to lose the Warriors. They're going to San Francisco, and now it's probably going to be the San Jose Athletics because they're like, well, you know, we don't really need that. Though I've heard a lot of people get upset about the fact that a lot of African Americans are going to lose jobs because of you know working at the stadium, but they have to understand, and people need to understand, white supremacy does not care about black people and jobs, and this business of the NFL does not care. The NFL is looking about expansion, and they're looking about what is going to create the most bucks. Las Vegas, in a place that the breakup is happening, you know, breaking up with the with the okay girl to the hot skanky girl that does a few more tricks in the bed it's going to open up so much more money because vegas is a big little city that is one of those to go places in the united states yeah well something that that to keep in mind too addressing how it works oakland has an identity of the city most people who live in oakland are from oakland yeah. Like if, if you've if you've never been to Oakland, California, just for because you can hear this anywhere, it is a, geographically it's a small place. Like it's on the other side of the bridge of San Francisco. It's not geographically a huge region, so people are pretty much damn near on top of each other. Like it, it's a small area, so most people who are there are generations in in that general area. Uh, Las Vegas is a transient city. Yes. It's like Atlanta. It's like Los Angeles. Most people who live in Vegas are not from Vegas. Uh-huh. So there's going to be no Las Vegas loyalty associated to the Raiders. No one cares about the city of Vegas. You either work in the casino, bar, nightclub industry. Maybe you're in the uh, real estate stuff and you live in Summerlin or Henderson. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe you just broke in the outskirts and you you came in on a promise, lost your money and couldn't afford to leave. Like, there's just a bunch of people who blow through Vegas, so there's not going to be any deep loyalty. And when it comes to following the money, the new stadium is is going to be, the cost is twice Jerry's World in Dallas. When they built the new the new Dallas Cowboys Stadium, it's a billion-dollar stadium, and it is the most expensive state-of-the-art of any sports, of any football complex in the United States. The The price tag for the one in Vegas is like 2.9. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's going to be... It, Dude, it's a win-win. It's it's a win. It's a win-win. And at the end of the day, like the NFL has been wanting to do something like this. Yeah. Remember back in the day, the a territory like Vegas was like, no, can't do it. The corruption of it all. But now everyone's like looking at it. No, we. You know how much money we're gonna make out of that? Yeah, and the corruption factor doesn't kick in with all the other stuff that's yeah, going on at this I mean, point now. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really. It doesn't really matter. And people are okay because now, I mean, think about it. The way the NFL moved it, and when you talk about the loyalty stages, we talk about gambling is illegal. Wow, but fantasy football is legal. Well, so you kind of see and and and, and the transformation okay, of trying to see. Okay, well, let's see if we can get away with this because once you said. Legally, legal gambling set up, and that shit is like uh, a win-win. You might as well go ahead and put a, a team out there because one thing I know is that in, in Vegas, there's so much to do at nighttime. Yeah. But what the hell do you do in the afternoon? Yeah, well, they tried to make Vegas the family place about seven, eight years ago. Tried to make it that the campaign. But sticking with what you were just saying about how the corruption and, and the other stuff, there's already uh, setting up for an adjacent uh, pirate slash raiderist themed brothel 
to be in the vicinity of the new sports complex. So you come out to Vegas, uh, get your hose, get your football on. But this context too, a, a football Sunday is going to change when you want to go to fly to Vegas to watch your boy, your team play on Sunday. That turns into a Vegas weekend. Uh, we live in Sacramento. Them cheap little hundred dollar um, Southwest flights, that's over with. Uh, them, them prices are going up. Uh, hotel costs. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, all all this stuff, all that cheap stuff, just to shoot to Vegas real quick. It, oh, that that's just going way up because there's gonna be a whole lot of people who are gonna be leaving here, flying in on Saturday oh. for a Sunday game, coming back on that late night Sunday night flight to to be back at work on Monday. Uh, but where all this stuff goes into is that we're we're we're, we're loyalty is something that is uh, promoted, that it you're told that you're faulty if you're not loyal. That if you're not down for the cause, and that's uh, in all aspects of life, anything that you're disloyal, that's supposed to be the worst thing on the planet. But I just think that too often that we're putting our loyalty in things that have proven over and over and over again that not only are they not loyal to us, they, they never intended to be. No, not at all. You know, we, we did an event here in Sacramento where we were talking to uh, young kids about history. And one thing, like, we're loyal to systems. <laughs> You know, we're loyal to an education system because we believe a lot of us, uh, by and large, believe that if you send your child to school, that they're going to get the necessary tools and information in the course of the time that they're there. Like you send them to school in the morning, they come home in the afternoon, they're there all year. You know, they get the little summer break. And there's a lot of parents who believe that they're getting that they just trust and they're loyal to this education system that it's going to teach their kids. And these kids turn 18 and they graduate high school with no concept of how to do any no real world applications. Mm -hmm. Don't know how to fill out a job application. Don't know how to balance a checkbook. Don't know anything about filing taxes. Don't know anything about purchasing a home or a mortgage. Don't know nothing that applies to real life after they even if they did well in school. Yeah. You know, be student or better. Mm -hmm. They graduate high school after being there since they were five to now they're 18. Because we just trust and are loyal to a system that proves that the education system makes cuts all the time and don't care about the betterment of the child from sports programs to music programs, after school programs. Like just speaking on these things that we just buy into and just wholeheartedly trust, though it's proven repeatedly not to be trustworthy. Well, I mean, I think that in the same frame, we talk about education. We talk about um, how black folks have this, this undying loyalty and trust for the Democrat report party, yeah. the Democratic report uh, party, and um, you know, you think about it, Democratic Party, huh? What does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Oh, it means democracy. Okay, so that means you know, free public. You know what I'm saying? It, right to say what I need to say. But when you look at the the states statement of the United States, we're all free, so it doesn't matter if Republican or Democrat. We all have the same kind of rights, but we've been bought into a system of, you know, Democrats do more for. Um, Middle class, uh, you know, lower economic, uh, black and brown, black and brown people, and now here you have it to where no, they're no better than the Republicans. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's shaped and it's molded differently. It may have a few more uh, Latinos and, and and blacks on one other side, but they're all walking Uncle Tom's in a sense of not really helping the community. And I ain't saying everyone because, you know, everyone's going to be like, well, Barry, no, so-and-so over here. But when you look at it and the framework for most of like the black politicians, whether they're in uh, city council, uh, whether they be mayors, uh, governments, governor in uh, whatever particular state, 
you can look at the economics, you can look at the school system, you can look at the overall base of black people in that state, city, and see that we are failing and we're at the low to bottom. And this is with democratic black people in power positions, but we get we have this loyalty because we see a black face and we think that black face has the same ideology as us, but it doesn't. It usually has a black face with white intentions. When I say white intentions, I mean they're moving and grooving how white men would move for their people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? They're worried about theirs. And it's like well, I don't know why people wake up in this belief that just because we may share the same skin color. We have the same beliefs and we're supposed to look out for each other, especially when you have moved up a ladder that someone else has put you in. The people might have called you, but other people put you in. So the loyalty is going to be with the people that put you in, not necessarily the people that voted for you. But you know what I'm saying when I say the people that put yeah. you in. Well, like I said we, we talked before, I, I said it all the time, and it was something that was taught to me some years back. And I've just seen it to ring true that in this system, this capitalist society, the way that America is set up is that racism is the smoke. Classism is the fire. Yeah, I was dope. So when we when we look at a lot of things that, that you know if you didn't get that one more again that racism say, is say that again racism is the smoke that's the stuff that's put in front that it's a racial issue is this and that no it's a class system and I think one of the best things that show now with the, with number forty five with old with Donnie J right now with old Donnie T Donnie Trump uh, in in the White Mr. House Mr. Fifty Four in the White House is showing that uh, that is so true. That classism is the fire. And so in a class society, broke is broke. Like, like really take that in. If you were under a, in a certain tax bracket and below, all those who apply, apply. Yeah. You know, and so now you have America who's up in arms because the people who thought he was for them, they realized now nah, he wasn't talking to you. And when he was speaking negatively, you were included. You know, that in a class system that poor black people, poor white people, poor Asians are the same. Mm -hmm. There's no differentiation. There's no, you know, none of that. And so when we start talking about being loyal to stuff, them groups are loyal to each other. Like if you say Democrat or Republican, that's just a title for where you clock in at in the morning. You know, <laughs> the tax bracket is who you respect. Yeah. Everybody below that bracket all y'all go over there. And then I think at the same time with the Democrats and the Republicans, if they truly don't like something, yeah, like I don't like Donald Trump, so I will sit there and say, ah, we don't want that. And that's they did that with Obama, right? Yeah. It ain't got nothing to do with the people, protecting yeah. the people. It's just like, well, we don't want that to happen. We don't. The yeah. Democrats. Not the Democratic Party and all the individuals that hail to them. Yeah. It's just those individuals that are in that government um, compartment. You know, it's not about thinking about, oh, the greater good of the individuals that voted for me, because by the time they get your vote, you it's like you're suckers. Yeah, and we are, we are, we fall victim repeatedly to blind loyalty with, yes. no, with no accountability. No accountability. And, and so, and go ahead, go ahead. Like, we, there's, there's all kinds of, whether it be uh, your, your, your local politician oh, who you help get elected. You know, oh, he, he he looks like me or he sounds like I sound or speaks like my language. 
And so, or he just represents the party that I've decided to commit to. And once we get him in there, no accountability. You know, send our kids to school. Trust that the system is fine. And if our kid has a problem, it must be the teacher. That, but that the educational system has got to be solid because that's the educational system. You know, when we deal with the, the judicial system, when we deal with on, on, on the law enforcement and the legal side of the game, it's got to be a bad attorney. It's got to be a bad police officer. And not that there's an issue with the system. And that's the problem I always have. How many times do we have to go through this roller coaster ride to see that the system is working quite well for the people it's supposed to work exactly. for? Exactly. We've never been a part of the the main idea for America. Whether you want to talk about your constitution, your bill of rights, you got to remember what we were uh, supposed to be what cattle. The, what the plan was. You know, yeah. three fifths of a man, of a human, or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? We were stock, we were, we were enslaved. There, there's so many things that people try to justify, but you can't deny if you truly look into your history and, and frame it. Listen, dog, you're celebrating the 4th of July. People are loyal to these holidays. You're celebrating the 4th of July. You're celebrating independent. Do you know? That you weren't independent during that time? People, when you sell that to them, they're like, huh? They don't really understand the concept. So it's like, we have this fake loyalty to everything. And this is, I'm just speaking on black people. And I know in general that people have loyalty for things. And um, you, I don't know why they have it. But that's just kind of the nature of the beast of individuals. But you have a fake, like this, no, that fake. But no, it's real sense of loyalty to people that are faking the sense of loyalty to you. You can buy into our system. But we'll never buy into you. You know, yeah. we you can um, walk this way, but we'll never walk that way with you. And if we do give you something, we're just going to give you just enough so you can maintain, not really get ahead or go over the top. Because as soon as you do that, that means you're getting out of the system framework and that becomes a problem. And that's why going back to LeBron James, when he stepped out and said, I'm an independent black man. This free agency is for me to do what I want to do. I don't need to check in to my owner because he wouldn't check in with me. If he was going to trade me, I would be traded. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That's when you got to look into the Raiders of what they did. Okay, at the end of the day, guess what? I've been sitting here at this stadium waiting for Oakland to give me some money. And Oakland has definitely profited from the the Raiders. And especially the last year, the Raiders got good. So it's like, well, shoot, I'm not losing anything here because guess what I do know? I know the Raiders are a brand. So if I put them in Stockton, California or or Alaska, guess what? They're still going to be Raider fans. So when you look at a sense of what am I truly loyal to, people loyal to sports, people loyal to systems are always going to get that slap in the face, that knee jerk reaction, that damn, you know, that shaking in the head moment because these systems, these things are never loyal to you. Okay, like you take like a good example using LeBron. So LeBron, professional athlete in the NBA, they have things that are called like no trade clauses and they have stuff to where uh, you have the, the as a player, you have the quote unquote power to veto a trade if you don't feel that it best fits your situation until the end of your contract. LeBron was was somebody who took the shorter years, took the shorter money for the for the playing the long game. And 
you know, he's not liked higher up when it comes to the league, that practice. You know, they'll they'll love the fact that when he comes to town, they're going to sell out. But even now, where he makes the decisions on, because more or less, he's damn near general manager of that franchise. <laughs> you know, no, we're sitting out today. We're taking days off. We're not, we're not going to play during these regular season games because it's all about the postseason. It's all, y'all done said that it's all about the finals. Fine. Uh, we're going to take off these back-to-backs. Well, I'm not going to show up and play against Chris Paul and, and DeRozan and Blake Griffith, the game that everybody wants to see us play. I'm going to sit out. And I'm going to come back the next night and play the Lakers. I'm going to come back and play Swaggy Pete. You know, and so he's taking that into his own control. And he's looked at in, in, as a marked man in those higher ups. But people sit there and say, well, why would somebody do that? And he that's a degree of arrogance. And, and in the same tone, we just had a guy here who's playing for the Sacramento Kings who right before All-Star Weekend when DeMarcus Cousins, Boogie. And so man that loved his city and the city loved him. He was loved throughout, beloved throughout this town. He was told before he got on a plane to go to All-Star Weekend down in New Orleans, he was told privately as well as publicly, you are not being traded. We want to give you this extension, this $200 million contract, going to be the highest paid player in the NBA history at this point in a one-time deal. We're going to lock you in for the rest of your career. You're going to live and retire a Sacramento King if you so desire. They said that to him in a private conversation. They announced that publicly before he left. He got on a plane Thursday. By Friday, they were already in talks with the Los Angeles Lakers to trade him out. The decision was made that I don't care what you do, but before Monday morning, before All-Star Weekend is finished, he's not coming back to Sacramento. They tried to get him a deal to send him to L.A. for the new boy, uh, uh, Ingram in a straight across trade. Lakers didn't pull the trigger on the trade. That's why they all got fired in that front office because they were supposed to got cousins over the weekend. They ended up working deals and sending him to New Orleans just by sheer chance. That's where he was at for All-Star Weekend. But he was told to his face. He was told in front of his family. And they announced before the city that we're keeping you. It's not going to happen. And he got on a plane. And before they reached full altitude, they were already in trade talks with other seats, other teams. These motherfuckers ain't loyal. You know, they tell players that you're supposed to be loyal to the franchise, loyal to the team. Tell fans you need to be loyal to the team. Tell tell us, everyday citizens, you need to be loyal to that job you work. But if all of a sudden we have cutbacks we're, and it's your department, automation came through, we're letting you go. Oh. I've been here for 30 years. Yeah, but, you know, times have changed and we got to make cutbacks. Thank you for your time of service. It's been a good listen, it's been a good run. Listen. I will never be loyal to anything but myself and my daughter. And I won't even say my family all, all the time because sometimes your family is your family. But I try to stay whole, whole and loyal to my last name as much as possible. But all that work-ish, if I don't own it, if I don't have a stock in it, um, if I don't have like my hands in the creation of it, right? I, I've been at too, too many jobs where... They gave me my 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 riot act, you know what I'm saying, and told me where the door was and, and how much, you know, they appreciated me, but they had to let me go. Yeah. Didn't matter how many times I uh, uh, didn't call in sick, didn't didn't matter how many times I picked up an extra shift, didn't matter how much of a positive relationship I had with staff, youth. Uh, because most of my jobs have been youth orientated is why I have a, a, a mentorship program for the youth. 
it just didn't matter. And and those kind of things, man, when you look at it and you realize it, um, that's just the state of the brainwash, man. When they really make you believe that you got to give everything. And that's why Colin Kaepernick had such a, a huge backlash on what he did. Yeah. Because we have been programmed to believe the United States of America is the greatest country. And I'm not knocking some of the great attributes it has. But like it can do no wrong, and if you speak against it or um, have some kind of frustration with it for a particular time of how it's treating certain people, yeah. or how it's doing things, you can go back to Africa. Yeah, the you first know, thing you're, you're told you're, is you don't like back, it. Leave you know, if you're African American, you'd go back to Africa, right? Well, first of all, mother effer, we never wanted to come to this, and it, to be honest with you, you needed us to find this place. So let's not even go there. But that's just the reality, man, and it's just this. This patriotism that has been um, programmed from an early age. And when you look at history, and I remember growing up, I mean, you would, damn, bro, America looked like it was the greatest thing because they made it seem like Americans discovered everything. Americans made everything. You know what Yeah, I mean? you had immigrants that came over that literally thought the streets were paved with gold yeah. because that was the that was the campaign and so much opportunity. They were really literally getting off looking at sidewalks, looking looking for the gold bars. I mean, you're loyal and, to the images that they, they um, promote. Yeah. Like, I've had people from other countries, like, you know, my homegirl from Kenya, she basically thought that America was this way because she saw the imagery that was being showed to her. So yeah. that's what I thought it was. So when you came here and found out there's homeless, you came here and found out there's poverty. Yeah, there's people who believe, never believe that that even happens here. You came here and you found out that, you know, you know, like being from the East Coast and, oh, damn, that California isn't all palm trees and sandy beaches. Like, these are the different things that you even oh, no. think in your own, in your, in the same country, in a different state, you're thinking that, oh, man, this doesn't happen in, in, in California because this is what California looks like. You know, this only happens in New York. No, yeah. man. I was in New York, first of all, I was in Queen Bay about 10 years ago, and people I met out there really believe that all of California is by the beach, that it's always sunny, and that you see celebrities everywhere. Like, they believe that's their interpretation of California. Wow. I was like, no, nah. I said, most of California is agriculture. Huh. Like, you're thinking of Los Angeles, maybe San Diego, possibly San Francisco, like, the, like just specks in the, great, in the whole state of, of, of California. But when we come to these things that we just buy into... That like taking Kaepernick is a good example because he decided that there was some things that he wanted to speak on that went against the norm, yes, sir. that went against the machine, that went against the, just the the blind loyalty. Uh, you know, he they what the, the term that they call it? Oh, fake protests because they found out that he didn't vote. Mm. You know that that he wasn't he, that he said I, I don't I don't vote, and so all of a sudden everything he did was a fake protest. Though he gave a million dollars of his own money, he gave hours of his own time, just gave 50000 to the Meals on Wheels, mm -hmm. just helped get the plane and the, and the stuff over to folks in, was it Somalia? Yeah. Uh, all the stuff he's doing. And he's, on, he's just up the road. So the Bay Area is not that far from Sacramento, if, if you hear this and your geography ain't strong. Like, there are people I've known, I know people, real life, firsthand people I know, one degree of separation, who see him in the streets yeah. helping out. Like, it's not like it, it's just this theoretical, hypothetical, oh, I heard he did this. No, nah, this you can see him. You can touch him. Cap's not hard to find. Yeah. 
you know, and he's out there putting in the leg work. He's out there putting in the mouth work and he out there putting in the, 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 the bread. He breaking bread on it. He's working with his hands. He's in the streets. Uh-huh. But because, you know, he didn't subscribe to the blind loyalty of the judicial system, law enforcement system, uh, just going along with the narrative that this country says that all everyone's created equal. And, you know, he's actually challenging some of those principles that this country says it stands on. He's now find himself, you know, home on Sundays. You know, he and you'll find teams who were sitting there saying stuff like, oh, well, uh, we don't know if he can play. I'm a Bears fan. And we just signed Mark Sanchez as the backup. You can't tell me that it's only talent why he's not playing. They said that, well, he's a distraction. We're not sure about his character. We're not sure about the off-field antics. Johnny Manziel's meeting with the New Orleans Saints. Johnny football, domestic violence, alcohol rehab, can't go three weeks without getting drunk and, and stay eligible. And but he still got a job. And never shown he could even win in the NFL. No, no. Neither of these guys, I'm, that, I didn't even got to that. But the well, I mean, Sanchez part. at least can say that he is one. You know what? No, nah. Sanchez, no, no. Mark Sanchez can at least, that's what I'm saying, at least, can at least say that on his resume that he's went to two AFC championships and he's beat Tom Brady a couple times. That's it. But as far as Mark Sanchez, yes, Mark Sanchez. Remember the New York Jets? Yes, the New York Jets. Man, they went to two AFC championships. They didn't win. They didn't win, but they got there. I'm just telling you the truth. I just, I'm saying, remember, I used to watch sports a lot. That's what it I was. I don't know about that one. Oh, look it up, dog. I might have to do that, though. No, just like, really, yeah, because the AFC championship no. game between Baltimore, Pittsburgh, no, Denver. You had, you had, well, again. They did not win. No, I'm just trying to say the the AFC Final Four. The AFC Final Four, though. I can't remember last time the okay. Jets was in. There was they were there. Right? <laughs> uh, that's why. Uh, now we're going into the sports kind of conversation, you know. But that's why uh, Rex Ryan had a little bit more stock and got to be able to get a little bit more of a string to hang himself because the fact that he was one of the only teams. That didn't have the New England Patriots number, but had been able to find a way to defeat them. And I want to believe that it was one year they beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And then it was a year that Pittsburgh went to the championship that they for sure beat the Jets to go there. And then it was another year. Go ahead, look it up. We'll look it up. My point is... (laughs) Now that aside, that does, that doesn't change my my point on this. This is still the same. Mark Sanchez running to my own offensive yeah. lineman. Uh, my point being the sense of you can't tell me that all the guys who've been getting hired over the last week are all better qualified than Cap. And you even had Jim Harbaugh who came out saying that this guy's got talent, he should play. But that being aside, if you speak out against what these people are loyal to in these systems. If you come out and say anything that goes against what the campaign is, if you speak on saying, you know what, maybe there's not just maybe they're not just bad public defenders. Maybe the way that public defenders are picked, the amount of workload that they're given and the cases that they're given to, maybe there's a systemic issue. Maybe these guys aren't getting railroaded by the court system because they just got this one bad guy. Maybe the way it's being done is flawed. Maybe this wasn't one bad rogue police officer. 
Maybe the training process and the requirements in which getting this job are flawed. Maybe the number of hours that these guys are allowed to work back to back to back because they're going to get the overtime and they want the paycheck. Maybe there's some psychological things that go along with so many hours of field time that need to be looked at systemically. You know what I mean? Maybe there's some things that, that you know, maybe these teachers, maybe they didn't get just a bad teacher. Maybe the, the allotted resources to this teacher, the support from the school and from the district, the curriculum in which they're being taught out of. Maybe these things systemically are the problem and it's not just so much the individual case. And it seems that we have a, a, a tendency in this country that whenever you start shining light on the system, like you can call out the bad cop. You can call out the bad attorney. You can call out the bad teacher. You can call out the bad company. But when you start talking about stuff having a systemic flaw, we're so married to the idea of being loyal to something, though every example that I've just named Proven time and time again, it ain't low to us. Yeah, well, at the same time, when you look at Colin, Kaep uh, Colin Kaepernick, and I just pulled up uh, this right over here. What was the AFC um, championship? 2010. Um, excuse me, 2000. You know, playoffs 2010, but of course it went down to 2011. The game I just told you about Pittsburgh. They lost against Pittsburgh. And then um, you look at a 2009, 2010 conference championship, conference championship um, against the Indianapolis Colts, like I said. The Jets played Pittsburgh and the Jets played the Colts. All right. I mean, come on, man. Like, I used to be really into sports. No, I get They it. used to call me the guru. And for so many reasons in sports. But like I said, let's move it on to Colin Kaepernick. I just man. remember Mark just, Sanchez. But you, when I told you. And it, Sanchez was the quarterback for both those games. Yes, both those times, man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You, <laughs> I'm trying to say something. you like, nah, dog. No, I, I promise I, you. No, no. That's why it was Rex Ryan and Sanchez had that momentum for a little bit longer, and that's why they he is still in because Sanchez, even though he has um, digressed in his play, he's a safe quarterback. Mm. Kaepernick is not a safe quarterback. One thing I didn't like about what Kaepernick did, the only thing I didn't like what Kaepernick did, he decided to um, basically say, I no longer will um, continue my protest because of course he was going to test out free agency yeah. you know what I'm saying so, so conforming back to okay well you know what I made my point which he probably did a lot of ways that the conversation yeah. had opened up from, about Kaepernick and different things spread light on so many different issues especially helped me uh, continue to do the work that I've done because it made, didn't make me look like I was crazy I was saying things that Kaepernick was starting to say in public not behind the scenes, but I didn't have a big audience like him, yeah. right? So I didn't like that he said, I'm not going to. But in the same sense, being a gamer, he understood, well, shoot, at the end of the day, huh? I still probably want to get another check. Well, and that, well, wait, wait, real quick, but that's where you have to have that fine line. When you step on the sacred grounds, know what the beasts are going to do. Kaepernick was a fool to ever believe that he would start having it no longer be about football, but be about social issues where sportscasters, analysts, 
where the NFL was getting emails. Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm a boycott the getting, game. Getting, Michael getting, watch the game no more. Money was being lost, and the conversation wasn't about our great shield. The conversation wasn't about Tom Brady. The conversation wasn't about the Raiders. The conversation wasn't about the Cowboys. The conversation was about Colin Kaepernick, and at one particular time, he wasn't playing. But here's the thing. They put light on Colin Kaepernick because he was kneeling. Then in a turn, Colin Kaepernick uh, said, no, excuse me, he was sitting down. But then in turn, Colin Kaepernick said, okay, I don't want to be too much of a distraction. And he compromised and he said he'll kneel. Yeah, because right. just, just so people remember, when he was sitting, he was sitting away from the team yes. by, on the, the training benches. So he, he got through a couple of games before no one even realized he wasn't there. Exactly. So when he decided to kneel, that's when he got off the bench, off in the distance, and came with his team to the field and just chose there to kneel as opposed to standing. And so when the beast or the shield or the system cannot control the narrative. See, this is the thing. They no longer was in control of the narrative. No. They didn't know what Colin Kaepernick was going to do, nor did they know who was going to follow behind. And that is when the system has gets a little shaky when they don't have that control. And that is how, with Colin Kaepernick on this side, has to understand when he made that move, you're going to get blackballed, dog. Like yeah. this, this is a, this is a fact. They are blackballing players for less. It doesn't matter that Colin Kaepernick, and we all know, if it wasn't for the fact that his franchise, his franchise took away the guy that believed in him, Harbaugh, and break away from what Harbaugh was doing and say, we want to go a total different direction and kind of miss up the pieces that was already in place. It literally had the confidence and it literally made the Niners go from the number one team to, okay, uh, the number 10 team to now all of a sudden not even on the map. So that right there by itself, let me finish this piece right quick. That right there by itself was a turning point to the, the worst part because he still was a quarterback that was just adjusting, a quarterback that was just coming to his own with this head coach. Now he makes a stand, a stand that he needed to make because public uh, uh, people in positions of power need to make statements because understandingly, you and I can't make these statements where people will really tune in. He made it. But the bottom line is when you mess up the money and when you start uh, 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 cranking out the skeletons and you have to remember all these owners are tied into all of this supremacy regardless of how we want to feel like these guys that they have on their payroll are stock they're not they're not they're not supposed to speak they're cattle they're put out there to do a job not to be political figures and use their platform. The platform that they're saying that, hey, check this out. You better be happy that you're even out here because I'm giving you the opportunity. Well, Colin Kaepernick has to understand that this was going to happen. I'm happy he did it, but at the same framework, I wish he kind of was like, you know what? Thank you, NFL, but no thank you because now it looks like this dude might not even see an NFL team. Okay, well, 
try to get a few things in there because I want to make sure you hit some points and that they don't get missed with with the next. Oh, they can't if they follow it through. They got to follow it well, through. No, but, I, but I'm, I'm saying, but it's it's important to not only say something. We got to make sure they hear because because you hit a lot of really good points there. So for for one, for people who aren't, if you're not aware, he decided that he didn't want. He's not going to kneel anymore when it comes to the national anthem. He decided he's not going to put the hand over the heart. He's just going to stand with 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 this team. Man, brother, but, but people know the story, dog. You don't need no, to go no, no, back no. into no, tell no. them the whole conversation. I but, mean, this has been a national no, story. No, but this is the part that that put them together. So it's not just a, 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 a off statement. So by deciding to to say that I'm, I'm no longer going to kneel, that's what started the campaign of that what he was doing had no value to begin with. And so that all he was doing that before was to blindly to try to, to detract attention away from his inability to play anymore. So regardless of if there's anything to he decided to stand because he wanted to get another check. Uh, he said he was going to kneel until he felt like there was some kind of change, whether if that happened throughout the system or because he had he had brought awareness to it. Or maybe he didn't really have an end game when he started doing it. The 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 part where it's at now and why. The the blackballing part is, is becoming so harsh is that they're trying to make it to the point to where they don't want anyone to say anything about anything. Yeah. Why would you want to? Yeah. Well, <laughs> the problem that goes along with that is, is why it because it, it's important to say something about. And one thing that I would like to hope that doesn't happen with him is that everything else he does doesn't get washed over because he decided that he wasn't going to kneel anymore. And so I, I get that there's this departure. Well, if you did it once, you need to do it forever because if the, the, the systemic changes that he's talking about aren't going to happen in his lifetime. No. So the, the argument that would appease that, that group would mean you never stand ever again in your life. If you're saying that you're going to kneel until these changes are made, then we should never see you standing. I mean, unless something you, you're going to be 80. And there's going to be some some systemic laws and stuff changed that's going to make you all of a sudden stand up. And I think that those two don't go together. Well, I think Colin Kaepernick also rolled the dice and really believe that it's it's one it's you know it's it's one thing to have like backdoor conversations with people and say yeah yeah man I'm ready because I hear it all the time because I have these conversations with people. But then when it's time to go and be about that action, find out that those conversations you have were just conversations just to have, and people aren't ready. So in the same sense, you could have had a whole bunch of athletes that Colin Kaepernick was talking to, because I mean, I don't think he just was like, okay, I'm just going to not just do this. He has friends, even though reports say that he wasn't liked by certain people. He had people, he was talking to individuals, and I guarantee you a lot of people were like, yo, let's do it, blah, blah, blah. But when it came down and the media now got like, hey, what's he doing? And um, people got that backlash and people got that feedback. It stopped, I think, the, the, the wave. I've always said it, and I'll, I'll stand by it. The reason why we continue to stick in this quicksand that we keep sinking in as black folk is because there's no fear in the black, the, the black, black backlash, right? There's no fear in back backlash. There's none. We could call you an N. You'll forgive. We could go into your church, shoot you up, you'll forgive. We could just sit there, simply take your girls and 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 and, and uh, molest them and and rape them and do whatever, and you know what I'm saying you'll forgive. We could kill you dead on the streets and say that you were armed and that, find out. Wait, 
That person wasn't wasn't armed. He was just murdered. You'll forgive. You may march. You may get a little upset, but you're not going to shut us down. Simple fact, when I look at the whole uh, Donald Sterling thing, because all these things play a major part of what I look at is Negroes need to separate and create their own, right? When Donald Sterling said what he said, the moment I really saw these dudes are really coward, and that, again, really was like, I'm not right. I can't. I can't. I cannot subject myself to be so um, invested in something that is not invested in me. When I'm thinking like, okay, these Negroes is about to do some old, because you remember statements in history when you're growing up that people like Jim Brown, though we don't know where he's at right now, certain different things, but Muhammad Ali, um, you know what I'm saying, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you remember some of these statements of the brothers over there in the Olympics when they put the fist up, you're thinking like, okay, this is about to be a statement beyond statements, clearly the Warriors and the Clippers, especially the Clippers, because it was their owner, is going to make such a defined statement that the world is going to feel it. And we as black people are going to look at it proudly and say, yeah, don't mess with us because that's what it used to be. Do not mess with black because you will feel the pain. That's why they got rid of the Panthers. But what the Negroes do, they turn their jerseys backwards or their shooting jerseys, whatever, backwards, and they play the game. Instead of saying, you know what, guess what we're going to do? We're not going to play the game until you get this, this, this retard racist owner out of ownership. They played the game, and that's right. Then I knew these powerful systems of sports that control these Negroes because they are giving them so much money. That if you step out or if you do something, a Ray Rice move to uh, bring any negative light. Remember how Ray Rice, remember, as soon as he hit his chick, he got his penalty from the NFL. NFL was like, we don't care. Because they don't give a damn about women. But when they got the backlash, Ray Rice, you're exiled. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like Ray Rice was on his way about to get back. He was going to be a regular old, okay, you know, I made that mistake. Let me get back on the team. But as soon as the backlash came, they, Ray Rice has not even sniffed a, a TV set to say anything encouraging about uh, 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 violence on women. So when I look at what Kaepernick is involved in right now, you had to understand going into the game what you were going to do. And I thought that he learned and understood that when he did this, and it started having momentum. People started talking about it. And when Roger Goodell has to answer questions about it, that he knew, I can't come back to this. Yeah, but I think that part of that is, is uh, I think that he didn't. I don't think that he had a full, long game understanding of what he was doing. How could he not understand that? No, no. Because... Like, like, like seriously. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, he, I'm no, saying. No, no, no. How could he not understand, like... You are going to get blackballed. No, no, no. I don't think that he understood that this was going to become a global event. I I really don't. I don't. Because nothing seemed about when he first started getting questioned, he didn't have go-to answers. He He was like, I just know I don't like what I'm seeing, and I'm just using this as an opportunity to bring attention to it. Like I don't think he really foresaw how big this was going to become. So after it got to the point to where you got 10-year-olds who were taking knees in middle America before Little League games, 
and you've got soccer players and gymnasts and you've got like I said, I don't think he saw the big picture ramifications for what he was doing. So if all of a sudden now he realizes that, okay, I've got attention to it. My career is probably going to be over at this unless something shifts or changes. So now is that a question of disloyalty to his cause? Or is that I've done the due diligence in bringing attention. I'm doing the footwork. I'm giving my own money. I'm still doing the stuff in the day to day life like I said I would. But a part of me still wants to be an NFL quarterback. But I hear that. And that's what I believe. Again, that's why I feel that he had these back door conversations with, you know what I'm saying, other players that was down. Because I remember having conversations with my bros about certain things, and when it's time to do it, they're not down. Yeah. They're not ready. And I still have to save face and go ahead and be about it. So all your points you're making, relevant. I get it. I understand it. And I think that when it took a life of its own, yeah, I think maybe he's just like, oh, didn't see this going that way. But my whole thing is this. After the first few interviews and the reaction and the pulse of America that has always tried to keep a rap about keep it quiet about white supremacy, keep it quiet about racism, keep it quiet about the uh, the social injustices that happen all throughout America, keep it quiet about classism and how it really truly affects the, um, the I would say, the genuine foundation of America and the Americans that this shit serves. It really puts a lot of people in a disadvantage where we are being marked by how much we make and, and, and what our social class is compared to the character of a person we are, right? You have to understand that if you see them take out a young player, Ray Rice still got years left. And they put him on the bench. Then also, the only reason why Adrian Peterson was able to play again is because he was still a horse with a whole bunch of miles. And as you see with uh, Minnesota after this year, they're like, your yeah. miles are over it. Well, you had to have to understand from Kaepernick's point of view yeah, but that I, there was going to be some real no, shit popping I, I think one thing in particular, I think, you give, I think you're giving him too much credit for when he started. I don't think that he had that overall awareness on that many levels and that in that in depth because a lot what of what I'm saying is if you remember the first few times like with the interview here's one thing about America we talked about it the number one thing Americans are loyal to is that freaking flag dog because of the representation it has right yeah. so at that point you can disrespect their Jesus you can disrespect their holidays but you're not going to disrespect that flag because the first thing happens is what all the people that died for this country because people are in this illusion yeah. that every war America's fought has always been for the freedom and not the freedom of others but the freedom of us because yeah. if we don't kill the bad guys, so to speak, that they're going to come and put all of their communists, all of their beliefs, and and all of their traditions on us. So we have to protect the castle. And that's not the case, bro. No, I get that. But I'm saying, I don't think, I don't think his cup was that deep. Wow. Because a lot of the, the revelations he came to before the season started, he picked up in the last 12 months prior. I get that. So, so I think that he had a, a, I think it was more so, I don't like the way this is sitting. I don't like what I'm seeing, and I'm going to say something about it. 
I think was his basic premise. So the, the, the deep levels of classism and all the other stuff, I don't think he had. I think he was getting it on the job training. What? But okay, 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 so I think he was. So yeah, okay, okay, I get that piece. So but when you get on the job training, understand the repercussions of of not being fully prepared before you get into okay, the job. But, but but what I'm saying is, is, in terms to what my question is, is that is that disloyal to the cause? If if you sit, take a stand on something a particular way. And you get all this attention and all this notoriety, but you don't just rest on on the on the, the, the protest. You, you're doing the legwork. You're getting involved with the organizations. You're in the streets. You're doing all that. You're doing the real work aside from using your platform. But you decide to alter your original protest. Let's just call it for selfish ambitions. Maybe you because he's Carla Gabernick is only like 28, 29 yeah, years well, old. So. So we're not talking about a guy that's 38 and he's nah. and he's one season out. This nah. dude has not even hit his prime nah. yet nah. for the league. So if he's saying, you know what, I, I I love my people. I don't like the way that things are, but I do still want to be a football player. Is that disloyal to the cause that he still wants to lace up and take the field? And if, and at the cost of that, he's going to have to stand up. I think that at the end of the day that unfortunately to me, that kind of goes against, um, you know, what he stood for. But I, I, I get it per se because you, you need to make your, your, your money, but you had to think about this going in. And that's the only thing I said. You have to think about overall repercussions. Uh, the choices you make have consequences, and here's the consequences. So I think if it was me, just like when I said, was talk, I talked about LeBron James, had some owner wrote some letter to me, you would have never got me back to Cleveland. I don't care about what promise I made to Cleveland. It's not that deep to me, right? I would have stabbed my ass in Miami. I would have made and went to Chicago, right? You know what I'm saying? Went to the Celtics. Who knows? But to me, what Colin Kaepernick did of saying, I'm going to stand, I just think that he should have just knew, hey, my time here in the NFL was great, but it's time to move on to different pastures because, yeah, you're not going to make that amount of money, but you're going to be able to do a lot of things, especially if you invested your money pro- properly and, and, and you know, two things to help the community. But he, hopefully for the brother, he gets on a team. Um, I don't think that he's going to be saying as much, but that to me, it's kind of like, well, if you bow down to the, the system, I mean, that's just like every other Negro that finally feels the heat of the system, like, ooh. This is really, this is this is really some shit, and you fall into like you know, com- com- uh, you know, compromising your position, and you can never compromise your position in the position that you stand on. Because well, I think that these types of things are important. Because a lot of times we have people who are afraid to ever stand up at all, and then we get those who stand up and maybe feel like they can only, they they stood long enough, or that they decided that they wanted to to to. Not just go along with something that they saw that if it didn't feel right for them, but then maybe sometimes they have personal ambitions and they find themselves conflicted. I think that it's important that when we when we see these things that are going on, that we do address them and that we aren't afraid because we worry about the backlash and repercussion. But also understand that what you're getting into when you get into it and that. They don't all have happy endings. And really, when you go up against the system, I really don't know of a happy ending. 
So, I mean, it, it's it's though we say it's necessary, though we say that it's important, though we say that it's needed. There are some issues that come along when you say something. Say something. <laughs> Say something. Say something. Always important. We, it, we've been a while since we've been back together. Well, we ain't going to leave you hanging so long. Uh, before we uh, close out, where can folks find you social media? Uh, Barry Axie is B-E-R-Y-A-C-C-I-U-S. Uh, Instagram at Team Boy. And, of course, Black Blueprints with a Z. Black Blueprints with a Z dot com. Go check out some of that Black Blueprint apparel. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. Oh, excuse me. I'm messing up today. Don't be afraid to wear the truth, but don't be afraid to tell the truth as well. <laughs> Gotta say it. Jermaine Morris on Facebook, all other social media platforms, at J. Morris CEO. We always encourage you to say something. We trying to say something. It won't be so long till we say something again. So I'm Jermaine Morris with the one only Mr. Barry Axis. Say something, say something. And until next time, we'll holler at you later. Yes, sir.